Welcome to the Challenging the Way We Age podcast, hosted by the Mavericks of Senior Living, Francis and Catherine, focusing on creativity, ingenuity, and inspiration to educate and inspire changes in the senior experience, breaking the status quo and creating hope for the way we age. We want to thank our supporters, Assured Assisted Living, Serenity App, Sevens Home Care, Sevens Residential Memory Care, and Workability Co-working Space. Now get ready for the next episode. Good afternoon, you Mavericks. I'm Francis Legassi, your Chief Curiosity Officer. And with us is a fantastic guest today that I'm going to let my Chief Inspiration Officer, Catherine Wells, take over. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. I am honored to introduce Dr. Amy Dore from Metropolitan State University. Amy is an award-winning professor, an author, a doctor of health administration, the program director of master's in health administration at Metro. And I met Amy in June at a presentation that she gave at a senior coalition meeting here in Denver. So much information packed into that presentation. I wanted to touch base with you and uh, talk about a couple of those topics today. So before we dive in, let me state the challenge, what we're challenging today. So today we are challenging the way we grow our workforce and attract students into the senior living industry. So Amy, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for this invitation. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you here. You've been in this space your entire career, starting as a practice administrator out of college. Um, Health administration is a really big, wide industry. What areas are you most passionate about and why? Oh, that's a great question because to be honest with you, my career path was interesting in the sense that it started when I was going through my educational path because I changed my major several times, including starting the nursing degree. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, okay. And then getting into that and thinking, I cannot do this. But how can I still serve others? And so at the time, Metropolitan State University was actually Metropolitan State College of Denver. Mm-hmm. And they had the only degree program, a bachelor's degree in healthcare. Management, And so I am actually also an alum of this university. So I knew all my life I wanted to help others and care for others. and But I just knew I could not do it clinically. And this allowed me to get a degree that is like a business degree, but in health care, specific to health care. So everything I learned had to do with health care. And from that, I went on to get my master's degree. And that's when I did really my first dive into research into the aging services field and what it means for caregivers. And my thesis was on respite care for caregivers. And that was, oh my goodness, that was about 18 years ago that I started with that research and just took every chance I could get anytime I was either in school because I did go on to get my doctorate degree Um, my dissertation was on rural health care and so if we are talking about rural health care we automatically are also talking about the older population because those that's the population that usually is the largest population segments in rural towns and so um, it was just a wonderful experience and I always have found it so giving and then I had family experience also my maternal grandmother lived with us and especially during a time period where she we had lost my grandfather and she called my dad one night and said 
can I come live with you? And I was in college at the time. My brother was in high school. And so she uh, came to live with us here. And I see it as a blessing because of what I was able to provide to her and learn from her. And she ended up in a CCRC community through Christian Living Communities. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was called the Johnson Center. Now oh, yeah. it's Salmer and Glenn. Mm-hmm. And so I would go and help her out because we brought her home almost every weekend. And and so that was just so touching to me. And then when she passed, I thought, well, gosh, I'm losing contact. How can I get involved still? And then I started having students do internships at Somer and Glenn or Christian Living Communities. Hmm. So I started volunteering there. Wow. And so did wow. that for almost 10 years, and then I was asked to be on their board. So when I combine my research and my personal experiences and fa- with family, uh, and then also my volunteerism, it brings together this package that has really provided me with a blessing in my life that I get to serve others, but also get to find this, these really neat data points that I hope to be able to share with you. Yes, oh, wow. and we want you to share those with us. Yeah, and I think going back to our challenge topic, we are facing that epidemic, you know, of this stigma that's tied to senior living. And I'm really curious for you to dive into some of your research here to kind of share what you've explained from that research, because obviously 18 years of research is is pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think sitting here right now is like, wow, it's been 18 years. (laughs) Time flies. (laughs) It does. It does. So, and one of the things for me is like, why is, why are people as, you know, passionate about it as I am. And so that was another reason why I went into the research. So uh, Let's dive into some of your research. When okay. I saw you at the Senior Coalition, you were, we're talking about this large population that is about to uh, reach the age of 65 and older. And there are lots of terms that are used, the silver tsunami, things like that. I know we really want to change the narrative around how we mm-hmm. describe that. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is it's a big wave of people who are coming. Can you say more about that and what it means? Right. So you will have people who do not even like the concept or terminology of silver tsunami because of what it references. But what I think we need to focus on, and this is where we change the narrative, is the fact that the silver tsunami is not going away. So the caregiving crisis, not enough people willing or able to care for the large number of older adults needing care has hit main heart. I think everybody that's in the industry saw that Washington Post article, mm-hmm. and it's clear we've got to figure out to rethink our workforces. How do we attract new talent into the aging space, not even just as direct caregivers, but administrators? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so can you kind of touch on a little bit of of what you've conducted recently on, on your research on campus to gain some insight into students' desire to even head any direction in healthcare or senior care, I should say? Sure, sure. So as I stated, I wanted to find out why more people were not excited about this as I was. And so I have been doing research specific to this topic for about the last four to five years. And so I did it in three phases. The first phase looked at our students here on campus, and it was a survey that went out to students various majors. So it was a survey that I could get back answers from someone who might be in, you know, engineering also versus also healthcare. So it was a very wide variety of answers. And what we learned um, was just shocked me. And so I'll come back to that. But the second phase was I took that same survey and was very intentional in that we send it to majors that had something to do with health or healthcare. 
And then my third phase was during my sabbatical, which was this time last year, and I was able to interview executive directors and frontline staff at CCRCs throughout Colorado. And so that really helped me to have a different perspective from three different angles. And so the first survey that I did, what I found out was, and this was the survey that the they went out to all of our majors at in a random number that we picked and and when we got the information back they did not even know how to define the industry they did not know what it meant wow exactly and so and some of it could maybe be the terminology that was used whether we use gerontology or we use the word aging services we had someone respond thinking that it was we were talking about old buildings Huh. If I said the aging services industry or aging services field, um, we had some who were, they just had no desire to work with that population. And others who admitted that they would be interested if they knew more. Okay. So. Some hope. Some hope. Exactly. (laughs) Some hope. And so, and once again, it was one of those surveys that we also ask questions like, how many currently work in the field? And would you consider working in the field? And when it, the survey went out to the majority of majors, you might guess that the majority did not work in the field. Mm-hmm. And also the majority did not, would not consider working in the field. Okay. And should, we should say that at Metro, the range of students uh, age-wise mm-hmm. is from 18 to all ages, right? Right. We're so. a non-traditional University in the sense that we're also a commuter campus, and we, the average age I think is around 26, 27 okay. for students, and we're seeing that change also. We have a lot of students who, instead of going uh, full time, they go part time because hmm. they're working. The majority hmm. of our students work, if not one job, two jobs, and so, and we also have a lot of students who are first generation. A lot of students who are either immigrants or refugees or DACA students. And so it's a population that I'm actually very passionate about serving, but it's also just shows you the variety of answers that we receive hmm. back. It might, it, that might be a good future podcast to talk about. How do, how do we define this industry? There right. are a lot of different segments of the industry mm-hmm. and different areas of focus that they could go into. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about before we went on air here, the, the various jobs that you can have in this industry can include everything from hospitality to IT, mm-hmm. so software engineering mm-hmm. to um, to caregiving to executive administration to nursing, and I'm sure there are many, many, yeah. many more. Well, so probably construction, right, and development. Yes, and architecture, right? architecture. The real estate yes. side, yeah. Yes, exactly. So I took what I learned from the first phase of the survey, and one of the comments I remember reading, and this is why it's like I have to go on further with this research, was they said they were not interested because older people are very hit or miss in terms of cooperation and mood. Yeah, I resemble that remark. I know. <laughs> I was like, well, that was me yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but aren't don't we all have those days? Called that, being human. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, phase two of my survey were the same questions, but I sent it out to majors who intentionally had some connection to health hmm. or healthcare, and so I wanted to see did. 
was it better? Did we learn more? Did I get more positive answers back? And they more students did know how to define the industry. More said that they currently work in the industry, and more said they would consider working in an industry. Okay. So that was a very made me feel better. But the the percentage of increase was not what I hoped to see. How what was that percentage? Do you mm. remember? Was it a small percentage? It was really. It was a small okay. percentage. It was. I mean, enough to give me hope, but yeah. still, it was more saying, "Okay, this is where the problem is. This is where we have." And I don't like to say problem. I want to say opportunity. Yeah. And so I had the ability to apply for sabbatical and send in a twenty-five page application saying, "This is what I'm going to research, oh, cool. and this is what I hope to get out of That's it." Awesome. And I, it was approved. And so last fall, I was on sabbatical, and in that time period, as I previously mentioned. I interviewed, I want to say around 22 to 25, either executive directors or frontline staff of CCRCs. Could you real quick define what a CCRC is just so our listeners know? Continuing care retirement communities. Yes, it really is in the name, the continuing care. So okay. usually what you will see is a variety of care, anything from an independent living to assisted living mm-hmm. to um, skilled nursing care to rehab even. So I was able to do that. Along with that was I was able to bring back or revise minor and certificate for the university. What I wanted to do was not have it be so specific. I wanted to encompass and capture everything that students can do. And so I labeled it Aging Services Leadership. I love that title, That's though. That's a great uh, title. It's a fantastic title. Yeah. I want to come back to your research mm-hmm. around when you were on sabbatical mm-hmm. and you interviewed these folks. What did you learn from them? So when I did the interviews, what I focused on was workforce development. Like, what were their biggest struggles? If we're looking at helping our executive directors and the C-suite and the frontline staff, what are they struggling with the most? And so what I found from that is that it is the top two areas that they were needing to hire for CNAs and for dining services. But the other battle was pay. It's like we've always wished and wanted is is to be able to offer higher pay in these areas. And pay helps with retention, obviously. We have to have a pay that will be able to manage and afford employees the cost of living to even be able to survive, especially here in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a main struggle. And then looking at ways that can reward employees, too, that will help them feel like it's like that psychological ownership over your own job, that you are, in fact giving back and you have ownership in what your what your job looks like and and that alone you know, so between pay and and the other benefits that you can provide to your employees whether they are the vacation or the PTO benefits but also the benefits that are maybe more intangible um, is something that we really dug into when you go back to cost of living was it the housing cost that seems to be the driving factor of how much housing costs in Denver right now? That is a huge factor. So mm-hmm. you would see a lot of the employees or associates who have to live far out of uh. where or far away from their job in order to live here in Colorado. And then that brings up the other um, topic of transportation. Yes. So we did. I did have a wonderful interview with a community an organization that actually provides rideshare, mm-hmm. ride exactly, yeah. uh, for their employees to get them to work because it costs less to do that than it does for a day of missed work of oh, someone yeah. calling in for absenteeism. So that yes. leads to one of my questions. Have you seen companies who are doing something really cool and unique or mm-hmm. doing 
something that is helping to attract more and more of the workforce to them. Mm-hmm. Have you seen them doing it well? And if so, what are they doing? And I think mm-hmm. that's one example. Do you have some others? That is one example, definitely. I have another couple of examples. One would be where a the organization allows the communities to have the residents involved as much as they can, even in the hiring process for hmm. of associates employees and so the residents are are there and so i think that is wonderful because it helps really the the organizations get a true sense of who they're interviewing residents can come up with very good questions and also to see how the inner the person being interviewed reacts and how they work with the residents because you really while we have issues with unemployment and there's not unemployment leads to less people looking for jobs because they're already working. And then if you point them to the field of aging services, that that goes down even lower. And so you have to have that person who is passionate about being there and is is it the right job fit. And so having that type of interviewing process, I think, really, really helps. That's cool. Um, That's that's very cool. That's fun and unique, yeah. And and residents love it. Residents love it. I'm sure they do. And I think I could imagine being on the interviewing side of that, being the interviewee. Mm-hmm. and really enjoying that process because when you're interviewing, it goes both ways. You want to know, is this a community that I really want to work for? Exactly. So I, I think that ties that together really nicely. So a community is providing Ubers or Lyfts mm-hmm. or some ride, some form of ride sharing for yes. people who may struggle to get to work. Another community is incorporating the residents into the interview process. Mm-hmm. Do you have any others? Well, I think also helping the residents and the new employees be mentors to each other. Mm. Um, And just the buddy system would be one. So when you're onboarding new employees, I I did see that, and I thought that was wonderful. And the other thing would be... I remember we there was a, a, a snowstorm, a blizzard, and there are companies out there that actually have the Hummers. They actually will go and pick up people. Wow. They do that on a normal day anyway, but like to call them and say, can you go get this person? Because and back. they're stuck or yes. they can't get through the snow. Wow. It sounds like, though, as we keep diving into this, it's not just... We're not just running into issues of affordable housing or getting pay there. It sounds like it's a whole ecosystem that we have to really look mm-hmm. at of, of where they're living, how they're getting to work, how they're getting from work, what's their pay, what's their benefit. So sounds like there's a lot of challenges that have opportunities for some great solutions. Yes, yes. And it's re- really looking at employees and associates as far as um, – the employee experience goes Mm -hmm. and you know going beyond just you are an employee at this organization it's getting to know them and understanding their needs which brings me directly to what i'm thinking you interviewed the executive directors you did surveys of students Mm -hmm. i'm curious what would happen if we asked the students some different questions now Mm -hmm. knowing that you have the answers from the executive directors and the administrators what would students want in a company in order to say, I want to work in the aging services industry? Right. These are really cool things. I wonder if they would also come up with some other really cool things that mm-hmm. we in the industry aren't thinking about. Right. Right. And I, I'm i looking for my next topic for to research, so that, that could be it. The thing that I'm also very interested in is the generational retention and a, a a lot of people automatically assume and go to millennials and say millennials 
you know, the they get a bad rap, basically, when in fact, there's very positives when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to millennials, because when you get them in your organization and they are passionate about what they do and they love it, that trumps pay for yes. millennials. And so, but then you have the Generation X, which is me. I, I will admit I'm Generation X. Me too. Okay, there we go. <laughs> High five. Um, so, um, but we're getting left out. So the new research is showing that in the if you're comparing Generation X to Millennials, um, Generation X is most likely to not have had a raise in the past two years versus the Millennial who has. And so you're also looking at that unconscious bias that will say, well, I'm only going to hire a Millennial to do IT or digital marketing because they are the ones who know the best in everything when actually you're missing not only Generation X, but you know even going further back. You're, you're not having that uh, wide viewpoint of what might be out there in the field. So that is also another area of research that I would like to look at. And I think to kind of expand upon that, expand upon that, uh, looking at maybe retraining workforce, right? People that have had a different job and now they're in their mid-50s or late-60s, how do we retrain that workforce to have them help in the aging services? Because I think there's some stigma for that. Well, I used to do this job for 25 years and I got laid off or it's been replaced by robotics or, or something, right? How do we grab that person and be like, hey, use that skill set slightly different in this aging services because we need it and we need it now. Right. And I think that might, I don't recall if it was in your statistics or not, but we are dealing with five generations in our workforce right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is something, and digital natives all the way to people who won't touch technology. Mm-hmm. So how do we deal with that? And right. and maybe that's part of your next research. Right. And that was a slide in there um, in my presentation that I gave at the coalition. And I also have article somewhere here on my desk that has to do with uh, the those who we think or assume are going to be retiring because they're at least age 55 or older mm-hmm. when actually they don't have any plans to retire. Interesting. And so it may be a total job change or, or something that is their dream job or even looking at employees and partners and associates that may not want to work full-time. They might want to work part-time, but they are a star employee. That are, they will be there. If their job is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they are going to be there. Interesting. And, and let's, let's you know, look at that. So changing up the way that we usually we traditionally work. Do you think we're also changing up how we look? Yeah, so basically changing that it may be a traditional work week isn't 40 hours or 50 hours. It's more of 16 or 24, you know, exactly. whatever. So almost having more flexibility into how we're defining work. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I think that's something to look at. So I, I'm just in my brain already. I'm thinking, okay, this is my next uh, research project. That's really so, great. I that's know really there, cool. there are some communities out there that are doing some really unique things with housing and mm-hmm. having staff be able to live on premise uh, for yes. a very, very low cost mm-hmm. and have separate entrance so it yes. doesn't feel like they're going through a, a, an assisted living to yes. come home. And I, I think there are some really great things that people don't know about. When uh, I wonder what students and people thinking about entering this space mm-hmm. think when they think about the aging space. Do they think about nursing homes? Mm-hmm. Do they think about assisted living? There's so many things that have changed in the last what, Francis, five years? I think it's changing almost yearly now at the pace. But yeah, I think last five years we've seen the most change. When I was doing my research, so we walked away knowing that 
we need to do a better job. We need to do some marketing. We have to understand that it just takes really students getting in there. And usually what happens is if I have a student who's thinking about it and I get them either connected with uh, a mentor or a day of shadowing at a community, they're hooked. They are. That's that's. Oh, that's cool. You know, and then they do their internship, and they they walk away going, "This is what I want to do for the rest of my life." But it's how do we do that? So what we do, we are working with another uh, community who they actually bring in a bus to pick up the students and then take them to the community. Wow! And so we have had fun things going on. Like we had some students teach the residents belly dancing. Huh, it was that's awesome. Wonderful. <laughs> that's and cool. then we had an internship student who taught. Uh, well, introduced the residents to YouTube and then taught the the residents how to draw, basic drawing classes. Oh. And so, and the students didn't understand that they could do this, that this is something they could do. Uh. And so it's, give us a chance and we will get you hooked. And that almost might need to be our market. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the experience of mm-hmm. doing it, right? Mm-hmm. The hands-on and feeling that sense of accomplishment. Well, I yes. think, too, is that, you know, I'm going to probably be a little stereotypical here that, We've been so used to technology filling that communication void or that mm-hmm. personal connection that when you really get that connection with somebody, you kind of like, oh, my, wow, they brought joy to my life. But in the turn, I also brought joy to their life. And I think as humans, we want connection with other people. Personal experiences get them hooked. And, mm-hmm. and that's really, really cool. A couple of few final questions here. What do you think the industry as a whole can be doing to rethink our workforces in aging care? So I think it's going to require some new conversations. Yeah. So you've heard the term courageous conversations. Mm-hmm. And so we need that, but we need new conversations also. I love that. I think that we are also going back to that employee experience and redefining that, whether it's the typical workday or it's how you're recognized as an employee. And it's not just a one-size-fits-all model any longer. I also think that we need to discuss the age-friendly workplaces. And when I say this, we automatically assume, like, how, do you both assume that I'm talking about the older workers? I did, Yes. That, that was uh, the first place my mind went. Mine went to kind of, yeah, definitely not the younger one, but definitely not super, like, older, older, but it was probably already biased to like an 50s, older. Like 50s, 60s. 45s and up, basically. Yeah. So age-friendly workplaces need to be all ages. That's true. Yeah. And so we have biases towards the older population and older workers, but also younger. Hmm. And so we need to think about that, but also more diverse and more inclusive. So those are great points. Yeah. For our listeners who are learning about the industry and maybe considering making a career move, what would you like to say to them? Give it a try. (laughs) Go for it. Go for it. I I think that they would be surprised in what even the expectations are and what the jobs are out there. And I know just because this is what I do myself is that I'll say, oh, I'm not qualified for that. And so I don't even investigate it. Mm. But don't let that stop you. I would say reach out to facility and volunteer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be my takeaway. Just go try it for a couple hours and see what that warmth is that you can bring to someone else who at maybe might have a bad day and just how they can then in turn give you warmth. I mm-hmm. Just volunteer and try it. Now, I will tell you that the CCRCs, they're always looking for, and they love volunteers. Mm-hmm. 
and they really couldn't do it without volunteers. That's remember if we go back if we're making full circle, that's how I got started. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's, that's a good right. point. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's a good place to end it. Amy, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate oh, you. you. Yes, thank we you. We appreciate thank the you. research you're doing and the work you're doing in this area, and we look forward to speaking with you again in the future podcast. Yes, yeah. I would love that. I would love that. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Mavericks want to hear from you. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Mavericks of Senior Living or MavericksofSeniorLiving.com and leave us your comments, questions, and ideas for future podcasts.